Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. You've got me for the next three and a half hours, aren't you lucky? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so we're, in a, we're going to kick off a new series today, um, leading into Easter. I'm always dropping stuff. I really need to stop putting stuff in my Bible. Leading into Easter, um, we're going to, have we, we do, we've got it, City Lights. So it's called City Lights which is awesome, but it's all about being a light to the world. And, uh, you know, we've got a great opportunity coming up to Easter to be a light to the world, to be a light to people, to be an influencer in people's worlds and to impact people's lives for Christ. Um, And I believe God, without doubt, wants us to be that light. He wants us to, to shine our light into the lives of the people that we have connection and influence with. And, uh, you know, we, we do prayer for one, and we've been doing this now for a little while, and we've seen some great connections and conversations, and we've had a few come along to church, and, uh, you know, and, and we're just going to keep sort of chipping away at that. And I remember thinking, man, I've got all these prayer for ones. I've got, like, all these people I'm trying to reach. And, and then I started to think just this week, it's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it, to, oh, oh, we're saying we're praying for one, but we're praying for five or whatever. And it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I need to rethink this. I think because the idea of prayer for one is that I zone in on one person or one, maybe one family and, 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 and stick to connecting and praying and believing for them. Um, so, so I've redefined my prayer for one list. It's no longer a list. Or it is, it's one family or it's a couple, a married couple that I'm praying for. Who are my next door neighbours? And uh, they are the ones that I keep running into when I go out to Penrith. They are the ones that I keep chatting to over the fence. They are the same people that I just keep, opportunity just keeps coming all the time with them. All the other people on the list, it wasn't happening so easily. So I thought, wow, this is interesting. Maybe God wants me just to focus in on this one couple and keep shining the light of Christ into their world. Um, so I want to encourage you to, 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 to think about that. Like if you have a prayer for one or if you don't, maybe if you don't, haven't really thought about that, maybe it's a good time to start to think about, well, who is it that I could pray for? You know, um, I think it was Spurgeon that said, nothing happens but through prayer. And uh, so people don't just get saved just because we would like them to be saved, but they get saved because we are continually bringing them towards God. And we keep praying for them and we keep believing and we keep connecting with them. We keep sharing our life with them. And I think it's important that we realise that, you know, I like to often say, like, let's take this word evangelism away and just say it's about us sharing our life with people. Because if you share your life with somebody, okay, as a Christian, if you share your life with somebody, what they're going to get is Jesus. Because Christ lives in me. I... And born again. So that means people will get Jesus because of that very fact that I have Jesus in my world. 
So we don't necessarily have to know all the scriptures. We don't have to know the six steps to leading someone to Christ. We don't have to read all the great evangelistic books. We just have to open our life up and be bold enough to shine our light in people's worlds. So why don't you come with me to the book of Matthew. And we'll go Matthew 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. (laughs) This is great scripture. Because Jesus doesn't say it would be a good idea for you to be the salt of the earth or it would be a good idea for you to be the light of the world. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Because if you have Christ in your life, you're not trying to be these things. You are these things is basically what Jesus is saying. He said, it's not a question of if I should be or shouldn't be. It's a fact that he says that you are because you have me in your life. So you are the light of the world. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. I like that he says it can't be hidden. What's that mean? It means that because I have Christ in me, there's no real possible way to conceal Christ because He will not be concealed. He will, he will be seen in your life. Do you realise that you're a different person today than you were before you were saved? I know I am. I can't hide the fact that Jesus is in my life. Why? Because I am completely different than who I used to be. I used to think differently. I used to behave differently. I used to speak differently. I used to act differently. There was, I was a very, very different person. And when Jesus came in and He set me free and things started to change, I couldn't hide the changes because you can't hide Christ in your world. You can choose not to talk about Him. You can choose not to like share him with people, but there is still evidence that something has taken place in our lives that is making us different from others in the world. So we are the contrast in the world for salvation. Some people think, well, the church should be, you know, they should be doing things that would attract people in the world. They should be having all the lights, the cameras, the action, the smoke. They should have the best rock bands. They should, and look, all that stuff is great, but it's not contrast. It's same, same. And and so the world isn't attracted to what they already have. They already have that out there. They already have the great rock bands. They already have the great, you know what they don't have? The presence of God. I can go to a concert and it's amazing, but there's no God in there. I can go to, you know, the, a great whatever, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, entertainment place and it's amazing there's people there but there's no real connection because the one thing the world can't get from what it's, its ability to create is create a connection with, its fa- with the Father in heaven. It's impossible. 
People can't do it without Christ coming into their world. And that is the one thing we have as the church. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us a point of contrast. The world needs contrast to see heaven. The world needs contrast to see God. Without it, it's, God's not visible. So it says, you are the salt of the earth. We are God's point of difference in the world. Who's ever met a saltless Christian? What do I mean by that? A saltless Christian, right? Someone, like we've always, all of us have met those Christians that are judgmental, critical, just, just not the type of person we would want to hang out with, right? But they're Christians and they're openly Christians. Great people, not the greatest people when it comes to, you know, being loved and cared for. I would call them saltless Christians. They're missing something. But on the contrary, on the other side of the coin, I would say someone as a believer that never tells anybody that they're a Christian, that never talks about God, never talks about their church experience and their fellowship and their friendships in church, never shares their faith with anyone, doesn't live their life in a way that would resemble the church or Christ in their life, whether it be because of fear or, or whatever it may be, I would say that they're saltless Christians as well, that they're lacking something in their life that makes all the difference. Who knows when you make a meal, if it doesn't have salt in it, what's it taste like? Yeah, right? It's like, oh, just, it's missing something. And, and sometimes it's just a pinch of salt and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is amazing. Sometimes I think some Christians are oversalted, not undersalted, they're actually oversalted, right? They're too much. And that's what sort of pushes people away because they're just too much. And it's just overbearing and anything that's got too much salt in it, it, it you want to spit it out. But isn't it amazing that salt can have like a really great, create a really great experience of eating food, but it also can create the most unpleasant experience of eating food. Uh, so too much salt can be a problem. Too little salt can be a problem, but just the right amount of salt makes all the difference. And that's what Jesus is saying is you are the salt of the world. But don't lose your saltiness. Don't overdo it. Don't underdo it. But make sure you do it. And, and if we can just get the balance right with people in our worlds of sharing our faith with them, but also showing them real life, real examples of what it means to be a Christian, not over the top, not something that would be, Ugh, people don't want to get engaged with it but not something that's compromising and is very similar to what the world looks like. Not something like that either, but something that's very balanced, very just, this is who Christ is, this is what he's done in my life, and my life is better for it, then maybe we might have impact in people's worlds. A lot of people want nothing to do with the church, not because of the message, but how it's being delivered. It's how it's being delivered because it comes across in a religious manner, where it comes across in a compromised manner, where it is, the message is being compromised and watered down to the point where it's barely, barely got any flavour to it at all. 
I often find it funny that when you, you watch television and they show a church, it's always the High Church of England or the Catholic Church. It's always them. It's never a Pentecostal church in a movie. If you ever watch a movie and there's a church in it, it's never, it's never a spirit-filled church. It's always one of them, like these super strict mainline churches. And, and, but what it does is it, it, it doesn't portray the kingdom properly. It's one element of the church, but it's not the whole church. And, and I think sometimes if people could realise that that church isn't like that, it's different, it can be different, then maybe they would be more open. But, yeah, we don't do ourselves any favours sometimes because these pictures get put out there and it's not always helpful. So you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. We just talked about that. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, what's my bowl? What's my bowl? What, what, what is the bowl that's blocking the light that Christ has put in me? Do I have a bowl? What is my bowl? I've heard people say, well... You know, Dave, I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. I, that's, not my, that's not me. It's not my role in the church. I don't, I don't do that. I don't know how to do it. I leave that to other people that are gifted in that area. You know what that is? It's a bowl. And it's a bowl that's hiding a light. Uh, well, I don't really know the scriptures, Dave. I don't, I don't know how to share the scriptures. You know what that is? It's a bowl. Well, I don't really know anyone that's not Christian. You know what that is? It's a bowl. So the question is, what is, what is covering our light? What is it that, you know, when Moses came down from the mountain, it said that he, he I'm just ad I can't remember the exact words, but it says that he radiated so much that he covered himself because the light was too much for the people. But I think, if I remember correctly, some of that maybe was Abraham's, uh, Moses' assumption that people wouldn't be able to handle it. But he never asked anybody. He just covered himself because he thought it's too much. But I wonder what's covering our light. What do we think maybe is too much for people, but really it's not? I think sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, like... I don't think I can really share that I'm a Christian in, in this environment because people will, they won't accept me or they won't, they won't want to hear about it. They won't want to know about it. But they're just bowls covering our story, covering our encounter with Christ, covering who we are in Christ. And, and, and it's the enemy trying to make us think that what we have and who we are is insignificant and can't affect change. That, that somehow because our Christian message is somehow weak or not strong enough to impact people's lives. But the reality is the, the people around us need it so badly. It's something that they need. And some, most of them don't even realise or know that they need it. So I wonder what our bowl is. What is the bowl that is covering our light? What is hiding our light in our world? What are the, what are the weaknesses maybe that we have? Or what is it that we use as excuses that will stop us from shining our light? One of the things I felt like God say to me so clearly just last year coming into this year is to take the church out of its walls. 
Remove the walls, remove us out of the walls, put us out in the community. And that's the main reason why we started a prayer meeting in the middle of Blacksland was because, well, we didn't have a building to meet in anyway at that point. We didn't even have this place when we started. We were still bumping around buildings after COVID. And, but I felt like God said we should move out and start a, a church prayer meeting. We wanted to start a prayer meeting for the church with nowhere to meet. God's going, do it in Blacksland. So we started on the roof of the gym, right, remember? And we're just on top of the roof of the gym and people were running, were walking around us and we're just in there praying and, you know, whatever, speaking in tongues, whatever it is, worshipping. And then, and then we moved down into the courtyard down near Chapman there where uh, Blacksland's head is. It's awesome. We should pray around Blacksland's head. <laughs> but uh, no, don't stop do that. And we just, and we just, we worship and we pray. And, and, and there's been a handful of us that have been doing it. And, and it's amazing what God is starting to do because we chose to step outside of a building and not hide ourselves from God and not hide ourselves from the world. And we pray and people walk past and we're like monkeys in a cage. They're looking at us like going to the zoo. Look at those Christians over there. What are they doing? And people are like this. And one guy, I remember one guy walking past and he's like, and his, his spouse or his wife's up there and he's looking and she's looking back going, what are you doing? Like, and he just couldn't take his eyes off. He had to see what we were doing. And then we've got this other lady. We see her all the time, right? And she walks up the stairs, across the bridge, back down, up the stairs. She's obviously doing some kind of exercise thing. But she walks past us and, and, and she's listening as she walks past and she goes over and, and she listens again. And, and it's just these people that are constantly seeing this point of difference. When was the last time you saw a group of Christians go in public and just start to pray and start to worship and start to play the guitar and get asked to use the guitar. <laughs> and then we had this crazy moment a few weeks ago and it was the last meeting we did, the first week of the month it was. And that's where the, I, I swear I just see it and I go, the devil overplayed his hand because he had this guy there that didn't want us to be there. And so he was very abusive I mean, every word under the sun was called, especially to Terry and I. <laughs> we were everything and everything that you bad that you could possibly think. Terry was either called it, I was called it, or the rest of the group was called it. And then it would come back to Terry, and then it would come back to me. And then it was this, this constant, and it was not, it was ugly, right? But we realised what it was, it was demonic, and there was a spirit there that we, you know, and eventually we, we pray God move him on because we couldn't seem to get any headway with him. We did speak to the spirit a couple of times and tell it to be quiet and it, it's, he stopped. And he was trying to speak, but he couldn't speak. And then all of a sudden he'd come back and speak again. But, but that one thing, I realised something. See, when the devil overplays his hand, you can be assured you're doing what God wants you to do. He was trying to push us away because what the guy, what, the, what was getting said through this person was you shouldn't be here. You need to get back in the walls of the church. You effing this, whatever else. Well, there was a lot of nasty words in what he was saying. And, uh, and, and, and the whole message behind what was getting said was the total con like opposite to what I felt God had said to us in the beginning, early in the year. You need to get out, do it before people. 
And this voice was saying, you should not be here. You can't do that. So now I've gone, well, you know what? That's an indication to me that God wants us here. So we're going to be back next for, next month, first week of the month. And I've got two other churches now coming and joining me. And I'm like, I said to them, I said, well, the devil never should have said anything because I probably never would have asked the other guys to come if it wasn't for this, that this happened. And, uh, and I was just happened to be telling them, a couple of the other pastors I catch up with, that this is what happened. And they're like, oh, we want to come. We need, we're coming to this saying, what do you do? Who, what? And I said, we just have someone with a guitar and he just sings and we worship and we pray. I said, it's so low key. There's no speakers. There's no setup. There's no nothing. We just turn up and we pray. And, and you know, but, it, and, and, and I'm believing that we will see this spread because, you know, I start talking to one of the pastors from Blackheath and he said, oh, I've been looking for a place in Blackheath where I can go and pray out in public. He said a couple of the pastors are in the same set of mind, like the mind, and, and, and we just want to get outside and pray. And we start, I start sharing his story with the group, and he's just laughing, going, that's exactly what I want. I want that to happen. I want to be out in the public. I want to be praying and just, you know, who cares who's around? And, and, and so we're, we're talking about how we could see this happen across the mountains. In every established town, in the centre of town, the believers of that town, the pastors in that town coming together, breaking down denominational walls, having no title over what we're doing and just worship and pray together. And there's this real desire you can see starting to form in these pastors of like, let's do this. Why can't we do this? Why couldn't we, why couldn't we come down and join you? One of them says, can we just have randoms turn up? I said, yeah, if you want to consider yourself a random, go for it. Like, why? Because I just want to see God move. And God showed me a picture of that place in Blackslam. And it was filled with hundreds and hundreds of people worshipping and praying in public with Kieran on the guitar, with no microphone, just singing his little lungs out. Little lungs. It, you know what it says? It says, instead... They put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. They don't hide it under a bowl. The light's not hidden under a bowl, but they go and put it on a stand. What do you know? It talks, it talks of intention. I'm intentionally positioning this light to shine where it hasn't shined before, where all people can see it. And that's what I felt like God said to us in our prayer group, is to go and intentionally position yourself where everybody can see you, where you can be ridiculed, abused, criticised, and it's happening and, and, and mistreated. But yet, you know what? Even after all that happened on that Monday night, we, we started to pray, Lord, just move him on, move him away. He's a distraction. He's distracting us from what we need to be here to do. And then we started to worship. Then we started to pray. And we just for the next half an hour, just worshipped and prayed in that space. We wouldn't let the enemy stop us doing what God has told us to do. But we need to be willing to put our faith, put our light on a stand in our own worlds. You know, one of the things I've really been intentional with, the guys that I'm reaching out to, my neighbours, and is purely just saying, I am a Christian. I'm a pastor of a church. I talk about it every time I'm with them. Oh, when I was at church on Sunday, I was talking to this person. Or when I was at church on Sunday, or I went to a pastor's. I just tell people now, I just don't even hide it anymore. 
I don't even try not to. I've met pastors go, oh yeah, I try not to tell people that I'm a pastor or a Christian to start with. I just talk about what I do outside of that. What am I doing that for? Because the one thing that people need to hear is not what I do in my business, but what I do in my life for Christ. And, and the thing that's gonna make all the difference is Jesus. He's the answer. He was the answer for my life. I'm sure he was the answer for your life. And, uh, and, and so why would he not be then the answer for those outside of our church? I did the same in, I went and did mental health first aid training to be a first aid trainer. And uh, they were talking about something and they'll bring it up crystals and how, you know, we don't talk about that stuff, crystals, you might believe in it, but we don't believe in it. Because this is a very, like, you know, psychologist, very sort of, they talk about scientific evidence and statistics and this is how we do things. And and then she, the, the lecturer has mentioned prayer and this scoff in the background about prayer, someone in the background, I'm sitting there and, you know, people knew I was a pastor in the room and, and this person scoffed in the background, well, that just got me going <laughs> because then I had to do a 40-minute presentation on part of the course to pass, right? And so I'm like, well, if I'm going to get up and do 40 minutes in this place, all of you guys now are Christians and I'm a pastor and you all have to listen to me. And I just made them all Christians because I knew someone scoffed in the background. So I just had to get up and say, well, you just need to be aware. And then I started to talk about the church and the mental health state of the church and all this kind of stuff. And by the end, they all really enjoyed it. <laughs> but I was like, you know, I, I just, I can't handle that. Don't scoff. What are you scoffing at? Something you don't understand? Let me explain it to you. And... Uh, but just not shining, not, not hiding that light under a bowl in a room full of intellectual people that are way smarter than I am. I can tell you now, there were some really clever people in that room, and, you know, like psychologists and clinicians. And here I am, the little old pastor up the front that's just learning about mental health. But the reality is they all need Christ just like me. The guy I sat next to was a homosexual. I think he fancied me. I couldn't blame him because, <laughs> you know, but he was a nice, he was a really nice guy actually, but he was doing a lot for the, for the uh, recent Mardi Gras and stuff. He was telling me all about it. But, you know, even with him, when I first sat next to him, we got talking, he asked me what I did and I said, oh, I'm a pastor and you could see this wall straight away. And I felt it. And part of me felt like, oh, I won't talk about it anymore. Then I thought, you know what? Oh, I'm just going to talk about it. And so I did. And, and you know, he got comfortable with it to the point where he liked talking to me about stuff. And he kept talking to me about stuff. And then he says to me, oh, I really like your voice. <laughs> it's so calming. And then he did this. Oh, Dave. <laughs> It's just, it was fine. He was a nice guy. I just, I just started playing with my wedding ring. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He didn't crack onto me. I went home disappointed. It was horrible. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Where am I going? I don't have a clue. Uh. <laughs> so tell me this. Who shone their light? into your life and showed you Jesus. Just think about it for a minute. 
Who was the person that has been like the bright light shine, that has shone into your world that revealed Christ to you? For me, it was, well, my mum. Well, she was the one that copped all the jokes. <laughs> the cult that I now lead. <laughs> but my grandma, my grandmother was a massive influence on my life. Shone the light of Christ into my world for many, many, many years since I was a kid. Even before mum was at church, she would constantly be talking to us about Jesus. And Who was the person that shone their light into your world. Can you think of them? How much do you respect that person? Like you hold them pretty high, right? They're, they're pretty special. Why can't we be that person? Why do we think that if we shine our light, people are going to get, they're not going to like us? or they're not going to think anything of us, or, or they're going to think we're stupid or dumb or whatever. What if that's just a ploy of the enemy to make us think opposite to what really will take place? That somebody actually might really respect us for shining our light into their world. That somebody actually might be really, really thankful that they now understand why we can be so positive in difficult times because we chose to show them why instead of just letting them look from the outside in without understanding. We can be that person. We can be that person to our community where we shine our light. I got, went into the school yesterday to vote and then the PNC parents were there. So I'm just like, let's just talk to people. Just trying to, hey, hey, go, why? Because I want to see God's light shine in that school. And I'm praying, God, give me an entry point Give us some connection somewhere, somehow, some way so that we could see that school impacted for Jesus. So Em and I are talking to the lady where she's serving us and we're like, oh yeah, your kids go to school here and you know, there's another lady and the kid's putting this thing on the wall because that was her little picture she drew and it fell off the wall. So we're like, oh, is that your picture? She's like, yeah, I drew it this week. And just trying to build connections and shine our light in a space where the light hasn't been shining. Anyway. Ephesians 5, 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. Take your Christianity into the world and let people see it. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.